welcome back to crushing this is episode three of the new season this is another epic guest episode um right now i'm sitting down with rebecca from shipwreck montauk rebecca's gonna hop into a little bit more about herself but just so you all know i first met rebecca when i was 17 I walked into her shop looking for something to remember Montauk by before leaving for college. So I have this rad Montauk necklace from her. And yeah, it was just like this whirlwind of a summer, very much like um, summer I turned pretty vibes. <laughs> that's what was going on with me. Uh, so that's when I met Rebecca. But Rebecca, can you chime in a little bit about yourself and tell us about how you ended up in Montauk? Um. I'm originally from Virginia, but I moved to New York City to go to college, and I was there for like 22 years, but uh, we started coming out to Montauk back in 2001, and it's, I don't know, of all the places I've traveled, it's like this one place where I don't really care if the rest of the world exists, you know? It's uh, like cures your wanderlust. Anyways, we kept coming out, we got married here, and, uh, and then we decided to move here full-time the year before the pandemic, so pretty good timing but uh and yeah and we opened up a retail store and did workshops and whatnot all winter but wait so where were you living right before you went to Montauk in the city in New in York the city, city. Yeah. and were you making jewelry there or I've been making jewelry since 2001 whoa okay yeah, yeah. so yeah sick Right when I yeah. was born. <laughs> oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's... it was... Um, we've been making jewelry for 20-some years, but we never did retail until 2019. Okay. So that was okay. a new... That was the new adventure. Okay. Honestly, yeah, good timing with the pandemic and everything. So you're, you're, you were in the city. Now you're in Montauk. Um, tell me a little bit about your latest project. So is would you say that, like, you know, like, your your latest project is really you know setting up this store in Montauk and transitioning from your work in the city tell me a little bit about like your shift and your creative process from your time in the city to shipwrecked like I feel like I feel like the shop is we're in our fourth year so it kind of they say that you know it takes three years it kind of feels like the shop is like the project of the newness of the shop is kind of you know it's kind of underway now. So I'm kind of looking towards getting back to my collections and trying to figure out what those all are and put those together and shoot those. So it, it's, I'm looking more towards like getting back to creativity on jewelry because building the shop has taken a lot of creative efforts over the past couple years, so. Okay, okay, right on. So what, I guess, what made you want to leave the city? I mean, a lot of it probably, I had I had 20 really fun years in the city. It was really fun. And then, you know, I got a dog and just starting to live that lifestyle of having a dog and everything like it's so much better to come to be in nature all the time and not be stepping over trash and filth and whatnot in the city. And I think I think it was also like the commercial space I had in the city. The landlord wanted to super triple the rent and I was just kind of done fighting, you mm. know, mm -hmm. so Every once, I don't know, sometimes you have to like get off the train and uh, yeah, it was, it really, I, I came to my stop, so it was time to move on and go somewhere else. It really sounds like you just surrendered to the reality of the situation. It was time to leave. You left, you started. No, 
so many things in the city had gone away, like our touchstones and things. I just didn't mm -hmm. want to be that person walking mm -hmm. around talking about what used to be, you know? Yeah. Was, you know, so and it seems like every 20 years I move. So, you know, in 16 years, I'm going to have to probably leave Montauk. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's, it's funny that you say that about your touchstones disappearing in the city, because I know that, I mean, I've only been gone from the city for four years. And yeah, four years because I spent the pandemic in Montauk. Um, but I feel like my touchstones are gone. Like all of my, you know, like childhood memories, like the specific bakery on Cortelli, John's Bakery that I used to go to, um, and different neighborhood spots just aren't there anymore. So when I return to Brooklyn, it just feels so unfamiliar. Like it's not the Brooklyn I remember. Like it's not the same Laduca pizza by the Newkirk Plaza subway stop that I remember going to where I got grape soda. Like. I feel like I'm an outsider and now it's like I'm realizing like oh LA is my home now like I've yeah. spent four years making a home here and Montauk <laughs> same thing right like you have like I mean it's not the Montauk I remember when I was a kid but I feel like I'm there more often than I'm in the city so at least that feels familiar. LA seems to respect older things more maybe just because they just need it to shoot movies and whatnot but they're they're not constantly building over top of of things and changing things as quickly as New York hmm. City it seems like yeah I, I yeah I feel like there is uh, there are there is like a level of respect for these like staple landmarks and a desire to protect them mm -hmm. um, I mean even in the context of surfing I feel like that's true like there's very much a culture like at Topanga and Malibu where like this is the way things have always been done at this beach and they're always going to be done like that Mm -hmm. um which yes like does make it gatekeepy but also I think like people who have lived in LA again like there's like a really strong impetus to keep things the way they are um but I mean I don't know I I don't know LA as well as I know New York um I'm still getting to know LA and I think like I don't know, I feel like I'm, like, falling in love with a new place. Like, it's always, it's fun to, like, leave the old home, right? Like, in your case, leaving New York City. Also, in my case, leaving New York City and, like, learn to be somewhere else. And I feel like I'm still in that point of discovering new things about L.A., new spots, and, like, where I fit in. Do you, um, do you go to all those flea markets they have around L.A.? I haven't been to the Rose, the Rose Bowl one, which right. is on my bucket list, but I've been to Melrose which I, I like a lot. I'm really, I really like this. There's this huge vintage store called Jet Rag in West Hollywood. And mm -hmm. they've got like these, they do like, I guess like a flea market sort of sale where like everything's a dollar. And that place is awesome. It's a gold mine. Like it's like two stories, tons of stuff. So I like that. But no, I haven't, I haven't gone to the Rose Bowl, the Rose one. And that's definitely, that's kind of the one to go to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny too, because because of who my mom is, like, we would literally, a lot, like, 90% of my weekends in middle school were at flea markets, like, all over Brooklyn. Like, that's what we were doing, It's just, like, but walking they, around going to flea markets. There aren't flea markets anywhere either in the yeah, city. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, one of the things, like, the, the Hell's, or the Chelsea flea market's gone, you know, and then I get there's not much left of the Hell's Kitchen one, like, all those fun things have kind of gone by the wayside. Right. Come. Or they're like entirely brilliant brand. And now like smorgasburg is like a brand. Like it's not, yeah. it's, it's not what it started out as. And like Greenpoint flea market, 
um, the one found in the Navy Yard. And that's, like, what I'm saying, too. Like, if I, when I return to Brooklyn, it's, like, all that stuff that I remember so fondly doing literally just doesn't exist. And so then, like, oh, do I really know the city anymore? Right. Yeah. Um, it's just always changing so quickly there mm-hmm. that if you're gone for... I remember when I was going to college, I'd go home for, a, like, you know, the summer and you'd come back and there'd be, like, 11 new giant buildings that weren't mm. there when you left a month before. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fast paced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally fast paced. Um, all right. So before we hop into the, the crushing segment, um, let's listen to some music. And there's a high flying bird way up in the sky. And I wonder, does he look down as he flies on by? Well, he's riding on the air so easy in the sky. But Lord, look at me here. Oh, I'm rooted like a here. I got the sit down, can't cry, oh Lord, I'm gonna die blues And now the sun comes along, oh Lord, it lights up the day And when he gets tired, he slides on over the way Oh, it's east to the west, he gets gone every day But Lord, look at me here Oh, I'm rooted like a tree here Oh, I got those sit down, can't cry Oh, Lord, I'm gonna die blue Now I had a man, and he lived in a mine Now he never saw the sun, but Lord, he never stopped trying Then one day, my man up and died I said, my man up and died Oh yeah, my man up and died When he wanted to fly, and the only way to fly was to die There's a high-flying bird way up in the sky And I wonder, does he look down as he flies on by Riding on the air so easy in the sky But Lord, look at me Well, I'm rooted like a tree here I got the sit down, can't cry Oh Lord, I'm gonna die blue Oh Lord, I'm gonna die blue Oh Lord, I'm gonna die Awesome, you just heard High Flying Bird I'm glad I didn't give I was gonna put a Brian Eno song on there I'm so glad I did now be like taking up 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) um her voice has this amazing depth to it it's great I'm like yeah I I wish I could sing like that I know I love all like like 
Jonette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde. I love women with like these like deep, hard voices. She yeah. was also like over six feet tall. She was like a big, strong person. Damn. Whoa, cool. <laughs> as you guys know, this show is about crushes as a lens for self-discovery. So I have to ask you, Rebecca, what's one crush that has helped you learn about yourself? And of course, the question is open-ended. It could be romantic. It could be a celebrity. It could be somebody who just does dope shit and you're like, damn, what they do is cool. Uh, give it to me. I don't know. I've been thinking about this for a while. I, you know, I kind of had this situation where I was dating someone like inappropriately older than me. And then I met someone more my age and had this really like overly passionate thing that was like a drug, you know, it was like unsustainable. And then I kind of felt like I got dropped out of the sky <laughs> when that ended, <laughs> you know, like as fun as all of that was and it picked me up out of like a dark place, it kind of dropped me somewhere else and I felt really exposed. But I think after that, it was like the ending of that made me realize I had to get more serious about my own things and kind of focus on myself. And then, you know, that's kind of when I found my path into what I wanted to do for a living. And then, you know, found the person I ended up marrying and whatnot. It's like once I kind of figured out what I was doing and not like following my heart around, then everything else kind of came from that. Dude, this feels like my life. Well, maybe I'm speaking too soon, but like, so two years ago, I was just yeah. telling my roommate about this, like, the Maya, 19-year-old Maya, like, she, like, lives in the freezer now because she was crazy. <laughs> in the <laughs> freezer? <laughs> yeah. That's where she lives, in the house. Yeah. She lives in the freezer, and she was crazy, and, like, she, like, very much, like, I didn't really engage with what I wanted to do. I engaged with what is, what are these guys that I'm attracted to doing, and, like, I was, like, living for the attention of them mm. because I, like, I feel like maybe this happens for people in college or at some point in your young life, but it's like, you realize like, oh my God, like there's so much attention to be received. And like, yeah. I'm like, like, it's like a drug. And then like, especially there was this one guy who was older than me and like, I thought he was so cool. And like, like he like ascended to this pedestal. I'm like, he manages the bands and like, he's everything I want for my LA life. Like I'm just going to ride his coattails. And it's like, no girl, like, you're not riding anybody's coattails. Like, you got to figure out what you want to do. And I feel like right now I'm in that space of figuring out what the fuck I want to do. Like, well, you're the, the right age to be doing it. So that's good. It is. I mean, you know, if you're going to try on all those different things and figure it out, it's better to do it at this age than in your 40s or 30s. You know, it's like it's age appropriate to get it all out of your system. Yeah, I feel like every like every week I'm a new person and like I'm always like trying on different versions of self and I feel like the way that that manifests for me most concretely is on, honestly on Instagram because I'm like, you know, like there I'm like go through phases of like posting different things and like I like I can remember like a phase where I was like, oh, like I'm like really into posting photos of myself in a bikini on Instagram, like I'm into my little thirst traps, whatever. I'm into my like, oh, like me looking sexy in a dress and now I'm like, I, like, know that I did that, and I'm, like, what? Like, ew, like, ew, Maya, like, no, like, what were you doing? And so now I, like, I, like, went through, like, at the end of the summer, I was, like, I'm archiving this. I'm deleting this highlight on my Instagram story. Like, this is how more how I want to represent myself. And, like, every time I, like, 
try on a version of self and I shed it, I feel like I get closer to who I really am. But, you know, sometimes, like, we have, like, part, like, 19-year-old Maya, like I said, like, she's in the freezer. Like, she's there, but, like, she's in the freezer right now. (laughs) It's nice that you can edit those mistakes just with the click of a button. Well, you can't, (laughs) you can't edit the, like, the, I can't edit my actions when I'm done. Um, I, I can't, my friends remind me of what I've done over and over again. Um, and you know, even, even in Montauk, like I like say shit to like the guys I work with or like I've done stuff that I'm like, Maya, 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 like you're crazy. Like why? Like there's like, that's what crushing's about too, right? It's like about this embarrassment of like, oh my God, like, did I, did I say that? Did I do that? What? Who was I? Like sometimes like the things that come out of my mouth are I like it's unbelievable to me but like that's on self-growth like you know if I if I wasn't growing as a person then I would feel fine about the things that I said in the past but I think because I'm growing and maturing as I should be you're editing I'm editing (laughs) yes (laughs) I'm a big editor yeah I think about like my younger self sometimes and I would just want to slap myself just yeah like I want to slap myself and then like now I'm now I'm getting that space of like oh like 19 year old Maya like she's coming out like we want some attention like we want some attention right now like I'm noticing that and then I'm like slap her down like <laughs> get her out of here <laughs> but then it's like you know like it's it's interesting how these how these parts of self interact because I'm having like I feel like my more adult self like knows has this, I I'm under the impression that I know what is better for me and maybe I know what's better for me like more so than I did at 19 but at 25 I'm gonna be like oh my god like 20 year old 21 year old Maya she was so serious like she thought I'm like so serious right now like I think I have it all figured out I'm like I'm not dating like I'm focusing on myself and then I'm like literally like we're gonna get to the end of this year and it's gonna be some entirely different narrative um but I guess it's just amusing <laughs> for the time I think being. I mean most you know punk rock musicians and stuff you're they are all like 20 21 years old I mean I think that's when you have all your opinions and thoughts when and and like you you don't care so you're just out there putting yourself in the world like the older you get the more you edit yourself I think 25 I remember feeling like I knew nothing you know but I do remember thinking I knew it all at 21, 22. Oh boy, do I think I know it all. And boy, and it's like, I, I feel like a, on a, like an intellectual like brain level, I feel like I know it all. But then like when I go to like behave in the world, I don't know what to do. I'm like, this is what I should do in theory when I thought about it. But then I go to try to do this and it's not working. Like, I'm like, I like came up with this idea. I was like, oh, like, I'm just gonna like, you know, like, really just, like, like, make friends and, like, hang out with people and, like, you know, like, really, like, get to know people and stuff. It's, like, a big goal for me this year. And then I'll get to a party. I'm, like, I don't feel comfortable talking to anybody. Like, I can't talk right now. Like, what's going on? Why isn't this plan working? It's, like, the execution of my goals is not lining up with, like, how I think, you know, they're supposed to go in theory. But so it's, like, it's a matter of practice and experience, but yeah. yeah. I'm sure when you find your people, though, it'll come easier. Yeah. 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 When you find your groove. My groove. I feel like I like 
I like I love my friends they're great and I think I don't know I because I spent a lot of time in the past like pursuing men who are not interested in me and also my college experience really took place in a pandemic I do have this desire to just like make more friends and just like this desire for realness you know in a world where like it felt like genuine connection was ripped from me so like intellectually I'm like oh well like I want to make friends you know but then it's like well you can't just like force friendship and love on people like you just have to like let it happen yeah, do you think everybody's kind of socially inept from the pandemic? Like, people are afraid to put themselves back yeah, out there? Yeah, and... totally. I think, like, I'm really fine with, like, intimate social settings. Like, if it's, like, my friend group and another friend group, it feels really good. But then there's something that happens where we go to a bigger party where there is a lot of people where I feel, I feel anxious because I'm just not used to being in that space. Like, I basically missed out on two years of experience with that. And, like, it's not like, you know, Summers and Montauk help with that. It's like, yeah, you're basically hanging out with a friend group or, like, a couple people, you know, and I, I feel very comfortable, like, being myself in, like, uh, in select settings. But, yeah, when it comes to those big social gatherings, like, there's something, I feel like I just am, I lack the experience. Yeah. Uh, Does alcohol not help you with that? Well, I see, I'm the kind of person who gets drunk and then thinks that they're not drunk. Like, Uh. I'm, I'm like, Guys, I'm not drunk. <laughs> Guys, like, like, I need to drink more. And everyone's like, no, Maya, you're drunk. I'm, like, I'm yeah. not drunk. I'm not drunk. It's just funny. And I mean, like, sometimes alcohol helps, but I think it's like, I, for me, it's like so up in the air. Like, I don't know how alcohol is going to affect me. Like, a lot of the times, like, it does make me more social and fun and it's great. And then sometimes I'm too tired when I drink and then I'm just more tired and I'm not talking. And it's like, okay, like, that was not what we wanted to do. Um... So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just figuring it what, out. What, are there, like, giant parties and things now that you go to? Um, there aren't giant... I guess, like, there aren't giant parties. I recently have been to a lot of apartment parties, and now, like, I'm 21, you know, a lot. all my friends are... We, like, go to bars. Um, but it's, like, I feel like I was just talking to, like, my professor about this, but it's, like, an underclassman thing to do is to go to frat parties like big like parties that are like in the UCLA community but like now it's like we have apartment parties where people have different little themes you know it's usually a birthday party or like we're going to a Halloween party this weekend and then if there's not a theme party then it's like oh we're gonna go to the bars like we're gonna pick a neighborhood in LA and go it's like LA sucks for that reason like oh we have to go uber to West Hollywood or uber to Santa Monica or like somebody has to DD and you know, it's not like New York City where you can just walk out of your house and go drink, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, I feel like on the flip side, like, L- like LA's a great daytime city because you can, like, go explore in your car. So. Did 19-year-old Maya go to frat parties? 19-year-old or- Maya, like, she, so if she would be at the frat party. I think, like, 18-year-old Maya was for sure at the flat frat parties. 19-year-old Maya couldn't go because she was in the pandemic. So, like. Literally, my playground was dating apps like that because like, honestly, that was the only thing to turn to. And I feel like I used to be embarrassed about that. But I just think it's symptomatic of like the cultural moment. Like I was Mm -hmm. a 19 year old who like wanted like male attention and validation and to like have the thrill of like going out. And the only way that I could do that would be and also to like explore the city. And the only way to do that would be on these dating apps. And so. I don't know like I feel like I'm trying to have like a more balanced perspective about that like trying not to be too hard on myself about like 
using them because like I like to think of myself as an authentic person and like now like I would never use something like a dating app because I understand that it's not right for me but in the moment then you know it kind of felt like oh like this is the way Mm -hmm. for this to go down and the way that people also use dating apps would be like oh like you match with somebody and then you're like oh like let's hang out our friend groups together kind of so like a way to meet people that isn't just like directly dating but kind of like sort of just meeting friends online Mm -hmm. um at the same time and then you know you go to a big school like UCLA and like you match with someone on a dating app that's like in your friend circle and it's kind of just like a step ahead like oh Mm -hmm. like we like are in each other's orbit and now we know that we like each other but I've kind of realized like I don't want that like I want to not know and like I don't want to like make it so easy for like people to know if I find them attractive like they don't get to know that like that's too much vulnerability for me um and it makes it kind of boring like I don't want to go to a party here or a bar and then like know like that I've like seen these people on dating apps like I didn't think of that that sounds kind of really awkward yeah and then yeah. what you pretend you don't know them but you both know each other like mm, that's weird is that how <laughs> is that the is that the like the behavior do people act like or do you just go and acknowledge it like oh yeah um it depends on the person like probably if they were like attractive I would be like oh like lol like saw you on tinder like if we talked but I feel like it's kind of the difference between, like, matching on a dating app and, like, talking on a dating app. Like, if you've talked, like, maybe you'll acknowledge the person if you're attracted to them. But if you're not, then you'll just ignore them. But then Mm -hmm. if you've matched, that's kind of just, like, you don't say anything. Because, like, you want to assume that people are matching with a ton of people and that they're not paying attention. Because then, like, what if you go up to somebody and they, like, are, like, I don't know you. And you're, like, never mind. I'm pretty I'm pretty glad that my whole life of dating existed before those apps. I can't imagine. That takes a lot of courage. It's pretty political, honestly. Like there's really? so much fucking strategy that goes into dating. Like nobody is asking me on dates. Well, I, I haven't been on dating apps in like months and like I can tell you right now nobody nobody is asking me out. Um that's like that's not happening. In that case I'm like, well, is this just like what our generations come to? Like if you want to date, you have to be on a dating app. Like What's it going to be? But then I have this, like, really, like, innate feeling, like, oh, like, I'm only going to be able to fall in love with somebody that I'm friends with. So, like, that's, there's, like, not really a point for me. Like, because, like, I'm not really interested in something casual right now. So then, like, right now, I don't feel like I have a purpose going on a dating app. But it's, like, yeah, like, do I wish that, like, cute people would ask me out? I do. But, like, it's not happening. (laughs) Have, like, all of your dates taken place from dating apps? um any like you know no met some no have you ever like you know just like met someone randomly out and like just went from there yeah like I've met people I've met people at a bar and met people at parties and like that's that's good but I feel like it's it's not very frequent like I feel like also like being a senior in college now I'm at a point where like I go to parties like I know a lot of people or like I know of them and I know that they're hooking up with so-and-so and and, like it's like ooh, like I don't want to go there you know which is kind of interesting because UCLA is so big, but like, you know, you find that your your social group is still pretty insular and like they're still sort of a tribe. Um, so not as big as I thought it would be. Did you end up studying abroad? No, I didn't no. actually. I like got into this professional writing minor program and I was like, I want to do this. Like I'm really into this writing thing and I'm glad I did it. Um, I feel like it like, yeah, like I needed to really get creative more so than I like needed to leave. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't, and I also figure, like, I can always travel after graduating. Like, I'm almost done. I'm six months from my degree, and then I can go explore for a little bit. 
But I like L.A. Yeah, you, like you might stay there for a minute. I think I might stay here. I really like it. I'm digging it. It's very like, I, I think like in theory, New York City is cooler, but L.A. is so conducive to my lifestyle that it's kind of like, I can't really go. Like I, it's working for me. Um, so that's a good thing. And I mean, I love Montauk, but like the summer in Montauk is so temporary and I don't, I, I need, I like feel like before I can return, I need to like, I need to be exposed to more. You know? All the all the great parts of Montauk are the things that I think can be enjoyed after you've actually really lived your life. You know, like it's it's you need to get out there and see the world, and then like this is a good place to like kind of slow down a little once you've done all that. But it is a very it's I call it high school by the sea. It's a very it is small. high school by the sea. It was like a <laughs> playground. Seventeen. Oh my god, Montauk's the best place I've ever been, and now yeah. I'm like, yeah, like there's like. So I was, tiny. like, talking to one of the guys. He's, like, there's, like, no one cool to talk to here. And I'm, like, dude, I know. Like, I, like, go surf in L.A. And I'm, like, I don't know who I'm going to see. And I, I surf in Montauk. And I'm, like, there's so-and-so and so-and-so and that person and their dog and their mom and their dad. And, oh, there's the grandpa and he's having a baby. You know, it's just, like, funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I guess, yeah, Montauk's definitely a place to return to when I'm an old, when I'm an old hag. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I oddly, like, I have this, like, weird vision because I, like, do a lot of, like, visualization about the future. That's, like... And, like, meditation or boards no, or just, what? No, just, like, just, like, me fantasizing and it's like I'm pregnant in Montauk and it's like lol like that would be so funny like it's like imagine getting to that point like because like I feel like I knew a lot of these people who are like having babies and stuff like I knew them when they were like my age like rambunctious as fuck like 20s woo woo and I picture myself settling down like them and I'm like whoa like it's gonna happen to me too like I thought it would never happen to them, but here we are, right? Well, the good news is if you change your mind, New York State, you can still do something about that. Yes, that's very good news. (laughs) Thank you, New York State. That's a good thing about New York, you guys. I mean, California, Um, you guys still have that as well. Yeah, yeah, we're chilling. That's actually a reason why my dad won't let my sister go to a school in the South. He's like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, okay, word. Like, actually makes a lot of sense. All right, so I want to pick up this discussion about jewelry making after the break. But in the meantime, let's listen to some music, some motor song. Um, Yeah, okay, let's do this Elvis one. Dark moon. Dark moon, take one. (laughs) Dark moon. Sometimes breathe in the dark moon. 
sky, oh tell me why, oh tell me why you lost in splendor. What is the cause your life withdraws? Is it because, is it because I've lost my love? Mortals have dreams of love's perfect scheme, but they don't realize that love can sometimes bring a dream. in the sky, oh, tell me why, oh, tell me why you lost your splendor. like Elvis yeah I love Elvis <laughs> I like <laughs> literally I saw the Elvis movie I'm like this is the best thing I've ever seen like I oh you think so I thought the I mean I didn't like the cameos I always forget that actor's name he's like the most important actor I can't remember his name Tom Hanks Tom Hanks yes yeah. I hated his cameos but I'm a sucker for Austin Butler so like yeah like I thought it yeah. was fab I thought it was great I I'm also a big fan of remix. Like, I like when they, like, remix the Elvis songs with Doja Cat. I'm like, I fuck mm -hmm. with this. Like, it's cool. Have you seen it? I did see it. It's interesting how they, like, just really just focused on the whole Colonel Parker thing. And that hmm. made Elvis, like, the giant... That he was, like, the biggest uh, circus show that ever lived. Yeah. It's, it's sad, you know? His parents couldn't give him good advice. He was just kind of uneducated and tricked by this guy who couldn't leave the country yeah but i'm kind of glad elvis isn't around because i think he'd be like a into some weird stuff like scientology maybe some trump who knows yeah that sounds about <laughs> maybe a little it's probably better he didn't trump. yeah probably better he didn't make it to now yeah because that those things wouldn't have been fun to be part of his personality no they would not yeah kind of fun to like I don't know when when artists get to like retain their idealized self. Yeah, go out at the right moment. Well, yeah. go out at a, a preserved moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw it in East Hampton actually with my mom and my sister. 
Oh, yeah, the summer when it came uh-huh, out? Uh-huh, uh-huh, I did. Nice. Yeah. It was did like you like fun. Elvis before then? Uh-huh, yeah. I've always enjoyed, I like, I mean, I like, I mean, I always like, I love Can't Help Falling in Love with You, and then I, in the ghetto, like, wow, like, I'm like, I would, like, listen to that song when I was a kid, my mom would be like, my, like, this is such a sad song, and I'm, like, belting it, like, I, like, like, that's my experience, like, girl, like, that's not your experience, but, like, you know, like, (laughs) I feel like, I feel like there's something, again, like, talking about, like, people who, like, like, um, we were saying earlier, like, that, like, depth in his voice. I really like that. It's, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you listen to other artists and you don't really get that. Elvis always seemed to sing with, like, 100%, you know? Like, that mm-hmm. recording is, like, him just sitting around his living room for fun, like, make, like rehearsing that song over and over and over with his friends. I love that song. He just, like, couldn't help himself. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, too, it's, like, that's what you get less of in music now is people singing with 100% because there's so much technology involved like yeah. and like people's voices are manipulated but i think like more so than the quality of somebody's voice like i really like music where i feel like the person is in it emotionally like right. that's what draws me to it yeah the end of that elvis movie where you know he, they actually dubbed in him singing. That was that was pretty heart heartbreaking. Yeah, we've been chatting about Elvis for a while, but <laughs> I did want to ask. We've, we've talked about the whole crushing dating thing. It's been interesting to like have the convo, like me twenty one, reflecting on myself as like a younger person, and then you know you like as an, an older, more experienced person who's now married and settled down, quote unquote, in Montauk. I'm in my own version of ice. It's been, it's been an interesting, um, it's been an interesting back and forth, but I do want to ask you a little bit more about your creative work because crushing is also about passion. So will you just explain to me like exact, like all of the different things that you do, how you kind of knew, how you figured out that like you wanted to pursue like jewelry making and curating. I was studying design in college and I had actually worked on a few homes and it was kind of a miserable creative process because there were so many different people involved and your ideas just got whacked away by, you know, the homeowner changing their mind or like a contractor or code or whatever. And it just felt like artistically stifling. And uh, I met this jeweler and it really kind of seeing how he operated, it was like small sculpture and it, you know, it was like, it either it either sold or it didn't sell you know it didn't need like 30 different people's opinions to be made and and it is like small sculpture you know it's like like a giant amount of of value can fit into something two inches in scale or smaller so yeah it just seemed like a more satisfying art form because there weren't so many hands in the pot and it was something that I could like pursue and not have to listen to other people's voices as much and um Back in the beginning, I I was thinking about answering this for the crush thing, too. There was a moment where I was traveling in England and I was trying to figure out like what what I wanted my company to kind of be about. And I was going to this town called Whitby that was like a famous goth town. And it was the epicenter of this uh, remembrance jewelry from the Victorian days when they would like carve out this jet Whitby jet jewelry and then like braid dead people's hair into it and make brooches and things. And I was kind of thinking for a while of doing stuff like that, but. I decided, you know, I was more into the water than the whole goth thing to stick with as a theme for the rest of my life. So 
that was kind of a turning point of what I wanted to, you know, speak about in our jewelry and whatnot going forward. So I don't know, in terms of curating, that's really just kind of, you know, working with people throughout the years and seeing what we liked, what we didn't like, who our friends are in the business and stuff and kind of supporting each other. And I don't know, it's important to import it's important to represent like small makers and things like that and not just big mass produced pieces. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, that's really interesting. I I'm like I'm starting to notice um especially cuz like a lot of people at UCLA are interested in being creative and like being in entertainment. But I I kind of wonder too like if being a small maker or a small creator is there ever like a sense of competition between, you know, you and other people who are making jewelry for example or like you know or like aesthetically similar to you like do you ever feel like there's kind of a competition or is it like or is there definitely more of a focus on collaboration and uplifting one another and do you think, you know, it can can it ever devolve, I guess, into competition like have has that been something that you've experienced or noticed well when I was in England years ago I was actually like I was learning blacksmithing in my summers and my month mm -hmm. off over mm -hmm. there and uh I really loved the blacksmiths because they were so into preserving a tradition that they wanted everybody to keep it alive and there wasn't as much jealousy and animosity and the jewelry world really is kind of does have more like secrets and don't ask me how I did this and figure it out yourself but and there, you know, that exists everywhere, but I've been really fortunate. Like a lot of the people I work with are about building a, a, a community of like-minded people and supporting each other. So I've kind of like found myself more in, in groups like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you surround yourself with those types of people, hopefully it elevates your mind too and you just don't take part in the other, but it certainly exists. So you went to England and that was really like what made you like feel like, oh, like I can turn to jewelry making, like you felt inspired. Well, I was actually working uh, as a jeweler at that point for another okay. person's company, okay. and I used to get time off, and so I was trying to just, since I actually dropped out of school to learn jewelry, so I'm all self-taught, so I would always be taking classes here and there and picking up skills along the way in, like, different forms of metalwork, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was over there that I kind of made, you know, made some decisions about which way I wanted to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like what you said about. Um, oh look, I'm wearing I'm wearing this ring. I always wear this ring. Oh, your cameo! Yeah, wow. I'm wearing my yeah. cameo. I always wear it, and everyone's always like, "I love your ring," and I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> They're so comfortable. Those cameos, when I carved them, like changed my way of making jewelry. Like mm -hmm. after that, I just wanted everything to just feel like a hug, you know, and just like smooth and even yeah. everyday wear. Yeah, like I could sleep in this. I love that, and I like. I like what you said too about jewelry being mini miniature sculpture because I've never really thought about that, but it's so true. Like it really is. Like that really is what it. That's really what jewelry is, huh? To me, it. I mean, that's my approach. You know, like like I said, I wasn't really, I was not technically trained to be a jeweler. Like along the way, probably one of the people I learned the most from was a model maker. So the way I create things, it's like. You know, in the model making world, it's whatever, whatever you have to do to get that positive form, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it could be, you could use a computer, half the time I'm using like dead things off the beach, you know, sometimes it's paper and glue and whatever, just to like build up to that positive form to work mm -hmm. off of. Mm -hmm. For sure. So like when you're creating, do you get into that flow state? Like what draws you to create and like what's the value in it for you? 
I've, I have experiences where, like, I'm surfing or I'm writing and I just, like, feel like this is it. Like, this is why I'm here. Like, do you, when you're, like, making something new or you have an idea and you're, like, you know, building up the pieces, like you just said, is there, like, something that clicks for you? I think in my younger days when I was in the creative moment, yes, I experienced mm -hmm. all those things. But, I mean, nowadays I'm just kind of burdened by the things I have to do so mm. being creative is more like the luxury space and the luxury mm. time that I carve out for myself um and it's I never take it for granted now when I actually get that time because it it's not it's not the everyday it's like the time I have to like get get all the other things out of the way so that I can get into that moment and enjoy that right yeah I feel like that's actually like a beautiful thing that you just said which is like that we should really like protect and feel grateful for those moments of like being creative and not having to worry about a million things because I think that you're right and I, I think that yes like one like they must be attached to youth but two like life gets stressful and hard and like things you know like things always happen like bad things always happen and stressful things always happen but then like really just like relish in the moments of awesomeness you know, when you can. It's interesting, you know, like, one thing I do think about creation, though, is, like, I mean, I always think of, you know, when you get an idea, for me, it's sometimes it's just something that you have in your head for, you know, months and months at a time, but it gets to a point where it's actually, like, a living, breathing thing that I can't kill, you know? Like, sometimes I'll, I'll hold on to something for so long and, like, build it out that it's, like, growing, and it's, like, it, at one point there's just no turning back you know like it has to be made at some point I feel like I had a moment like that um this week where I've been sort of like I've had this idea in my head of like oh well like I want to write something I want to write something I want to write something I don't know what to write it about and I've been kind of like you know just like thinking generally about like how oh I'm not approaching dating the way I was approaching dating and like I'm really focused on myself and like I'm in sport mode like this has been my like MO right now it's like I'm in sport mode like I'm doing stuff I'm like trying to be like my most authentic self whatever and I sat down like last Friday to try to write something and I brainstormed a little bit and I was mostly just like list making but like things you know weren't really happening like they weren't coming to fruition with my creative process so I put it down and then I was in my English class yesterday and it was like the idea was there like and I I was like sorry professor like I'm in class but like I started just like typing like I had like it had to come out otherwise I was gonna forget it and like that sometimes happens to me too like in the middle of the night like I just have an idea like I had an idea to start this podcast in the middle of the night I was like oh my god like crushes like that's what it is it's crushes and like it was like I need to write this down like and I also feel that way too about like a collage sometimes like I'll just be like I need a, I need to cut the shit up and like put it together like and like it's like and a lot of times maybe it comes out of boredom and I don't know where it comes from but I think you're right I think it like you have it in you but then it like boils over and that's when that's when there's a creative product yeah there's no turning back <laughs> Busy, make me feel 
shower every day oh wait do you make a new playlist every time you do an outdoor shower that's sick normally like every day I have some sort of mood and I like I want to hear a couple songs and like that's the mood for the day <laughs> so my poor neighbors yeah that's kind of honestly you're right that's what these like five song crushing playlists are like they're like very moody um yeah and I gosh I wish I I guess if I had the time I would make little playlists but I, I do like I do I usually do ones for seasons like I have like a summer an end of summer a fall and then I I also have these like kind of like mode playlists like I have a playlist that's called sport mode on my phone because I'm like obsessed with this idea of sport mode what is sport mode you mean like jogging I don't know it's just like like going like like, it's like, I'm just in go mode. Like, I'm always doing something. Like, I'm very occupied. I'm busy. I'm moving. It's like, it's sport mode. I don't know. It's just sport mode. Like, that's just the best way to put it. And 
I'm always ready to go. I'm always sweating. I'm always ready for the next adventure. In the past, I haven't felt always ready to go. And so a lot, I guess it's just like the music on this playlist, sport mode, it really is set apart from the rest of the music that I listen to because, you know, like I've been into classic rock and I've been into alternative rock and I've been to, into new wave and I've been into indie and I've been into like Taylor Swift, Sad Girl, Phoebe Bridgers, Lord. But this is like entirely different. Like I'm, I have like Kanye, Drake, um, Doja Cat, all these um, Daft Punk. Like I've been into that. I've been into The Weeknd. Like it's like club music on my phone, which is not really me. Like if you look at me, you're not like that girl. Is like she's bumping club music. No, but that's why. Mm-hmm. Like I had to create this playlist because it had to encapsulate like this new moment, which is the sport mode I don't know I, I'm like people are like okay Maya like you and your sport mode but it's sport mode like I don't know so yeah I like this concept like a new day a new shower a new playlist like right on it's kind of like the best 15 minutes of my day <laughs> I'm sure it sounds like an awesome 15 minutes oh my god um okay so I think it's about time to wrap things up um but before sure before we do I want to ask you um for some advice so like what's your advice to young people in their 20s about like figuring out your passion and advice on finding love like what do you wish you could tell your young self 21 year old Rebecca I think it, it helps to like figure out and know who you are before you try to figure out who goes with you in your life and what goes with you in your life you know so it is it is important to mm. like try everything and and do all that but like not settle or commit to any of it until you're kind of more defined and comfortable in your own skin and then you know you'll be more authentic whatever whatever path you choose whatever person you choose to go down the path with you know you need to like know who you are first I guess Mm. how do you figure out who you are I don't know. Maybe you're always figuring that out. That's kind of what's fun yeah. about life. Mm-hmm. Do you think that people stay the same or do you think that people change? Do you think people change constantly, especially the more interesting ones? Hmm. But at your core, you know, like at your core, your priorities and like this and that and what you're really into. I don't think that changes so much yeah, in your life. I you agree. know, if you're like a curious go-getting person, you're probably not going to like suddenly slow down. Mm-hmm. Like your sport mode is probably going to be pretty, pretty relevant when you're 60, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I'll have the playlist to listen to too. I don't know if Spotify will still be a thing, but um, yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting. I agree. Yeah. I, I said that to my friend. I was like, it's the core. Like you're, you're always the same like inside, but then like, I feel like your actions and your responses change, you know? Like, action, reaction, that can change. Yeah. 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 And also, like, I think, you know, the more mistakes you make, the more you learn, the more strong you become. Like, every time you fail, you just kind of pick yourself up and, like, realize you survived that and keep going. Yeah. And that's kind of how, you know, you build all of your uh, self-confidence. Yeah. It feels good to survive shit. Like, it feels good to, like be sad and like get through it and then be like oh shit like I did that like I remember that and like now you know like I was like I had a hard spring and I was sad and now like I feel so good and it's just like so funny to like it's not funny actually it's not funny it's like empowering to think that like I got myself through it like 
I like say this and I sound dramatic, but I sound dramatic when I talk. Like I'm just a very dramatic person. I'm very dramatic as we all know. Um, but like, I like, I say to my friends, like I did that. Like I picked myself the fuck up and like hurled myself out of the hole. And like, I like figured out what works for me. So that feels good. Like, yeah. <laughs> my spring wasn't so great either. I wonder if it was like a collective thing. Hmm. I mean, we, and like everybody collectively went through this pandemic. I think we're all kind of like thawing from a couple difficult trying years. And in the spring too, it was kind of like this expectation of like shit should be going well. And it wasn't. And it was like, I was like, had this like yeah. idealized version of a post pandemic world that like I wasn't experiencing, you know? All right. Well, Rebecca, it's been fabulous. I've loved this discussion. Um, thanks for rapping with me. I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for having me on. Bye.